this is kind of a fun development for our, us in our house. Um, kind of over the years, Sarah and I first started out with like just learning the five love languages and all that fun stuff. Um, uh, but more recently, um, a friend of Sarah's, my wife, uh, brought home a, uh, the Enneagram study. And like, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, another one of those things. And, uh, but she's like, take it. And so she took it and then kind of told me about herself. And finally, I took it and started learning. And, and, um, and right along that same time, our life group did this, um, this marriage study. It's called Marriage Oneness. And it just like rocked our world and in all the best ways. Um, and the, in the middle of it, there was like this personality, like you learn your basic temperance. And um, it's been actually really fun. One, of course, learning about myself a little bit more. Maybe that's kind of painful in some ways. Um, but two, you know, learning about my spouse. And it can be really helpful. It can be helpful to understand yourself a little bit more and understand, like, why you're acting like you are <laughs> um, or why you love what you love. Um, it can also be really, really helpful to have an insight, not a full insight, but an insight into the people that you love and want to care for. Um, and just to have a, you know, like to hold them in a better way. Um, it can be a really loving thing to say, I'm going to take some time to focus on you and see you better, whoever that you is in your life or the you's in your life. Um, I can tell you at at the point that we were studying it, Sarah and I, um, it was part of what I would say like a game changer or even like a, a marriage booster. But just like this understanding and this deeper sense of who each other were. But the challenge is, right, is that um, we live in a world where we do have all these tools to learn about ourselves and learn about others and, and kind of move forward in that way and, and utilize that in the best sense. But we also live in a world that um, kind of blends self-discovery into self-invention, um, right? You know, we, we love these slogans because they feel empowering and they feel liberating. Um, but, you know, our, our world, our marketing uh, that says, um, be whoever you want to be or choose your own destiny. You know, and that is incredibly freeing in some ways, and, and um, especially those who have tried to maybe hold us back or tried to limit us or coerce who they needed us to be. But on the other side of that coin, there's this really exhausting world that we get into where we spend so much time and energy feeling the pressure and the need to to determine who we are, to invent ourselves or to um, kind of find our brand um, or, right, like social media adds this kind of, this platform of like, you know, people don't get to see all of you, they get to see the foot of you that you put forward. And um, that's kind of fun because in some ways you can, you can be whoever you want. Um, but in other ways, it is exhausting because it's this continual searching and continual building and convincing um, others and ourselves and a lot of maintenance in that and making sure that our persona is fitting in line um, how we're acting and behaving to who we um, say we are. And the point of that is to bring up is that... Um, 
that can be really exhausting. It can be frustrating, confusing, and it may also not be necessary. It might not be necessary. We then are now focusing on the, um, the graces of knowing God, like intimately knowing who he is. And uh, so last week, the graces that we talked about were this sense of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, deliverance, wisdom, and power. And that um, it's, not, it's not like a, a benefit, like, well, if you sign up today, you will get these things. It's more about like focus on your relationship with God. That's the first and foremost focus. But here's the good news. As you keep that your main focus, he's going to bring these things into your life. Today, our second set of graces is on um, identity and purpose. And the cool thing is, is that God actually um, has named and breathed that for you into life before time ever began. And um, it is, I think, rather beautiful news because the grace behind this grace, the beauty of this grace, is in this truth that, um, that God doesn't make mistakes. Not a single one of us created has been a mistake. Mysterious, perhaps. Um, really difficult to understand, perhaps. Um, in some ways, discouraging, perhaps. But not a mistake. I love this from Deuteronomy. This is like even back in the old covenant when a lot of things were still um, more based on keeping uh, the commandments of the law. This testimony. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. You know, you just, you just hear that he's the rock, like his ways are perfect. Like, again, we don't always understand him, but, but he has established good for our good, for the good. So that's the grace of all this. And so, um, you know, so like when we talk about who we are, we talk about like what's our purpose, what's our thing in life, um, we ultimately come to the, the best way home. Like, how do we actually get there? Yes, I love, I love discovery. I love discovery, and I think it is absolutely worth it. Just as I said, like, uh, in some way, shape, or form, it kind of saved our marriage and our own relationship. Um, knowing ha- who I am has helped me, I believe, be a more humble and, and, and loving uh, part of our staff here at the church. Um, it's so valuable. But here's the thing is sometimes when we're trying to figure out who we are and what our purpose is, we will look, we'll, we'll go inward and we'll look at a lot of the you know, resources that we have. But the truth is the best way home to figure out who you are and what your purpose is, is to go to your creator. So the more you come to understand your creator, the more you'll actually come to understand the created, which is you. But we sometimes we spend so much energy in, in the wrong directions, we actually, actually need to take a step away from ourselves and understand who God is. Because when we begin to understand the creator, we begin to understand his heart and his character and his hopes his dreams, the basis for which you know, he 
created this whole thing in the first place. What he desires for his creation, what he desires for each of his created. You begin to understand that on a far more profound and grace-filled uh, platform and understanding level. It, it, it's so good. The second thing is, is that when you are, you are um, coming to understand your God, your creator, not only are you understanding the intentions with which he has created you and the reasons and the purposes, but you are, understand, you are gaining a sense of this courage, of this sense of wisdom. Because honestly, it is really scary sometimes looking inward in a really honest sense, isn't it? Like, I don't know if I want to know what I'm going to find in there. Or I do think I am dealing with this, but I think just about everyone I know is too, so it's better left alone. But it gives us the courage and this insight from his word and from his people to say, hey, like, I'm willing to go there because I want to get better. I want to be healthier and I want to be nearer, nearer always to my God. It's so good. It's so good as we, as we get this the best way home. So here's, here's what um, Peter actually says about this whole um, identity and purpose thing. And um, this comes from Peter's first letter. Peter is um, talking to some folks that are in exile. They've been removed from their homes, and um, even way more now than uh, or then than now is that sense of identity tied to place and location and land and and dirt, like. Uh, oftentimes the land that people were living on had been passed down from generation to generation to generation. It was tied to a name and a namesake, and it was the identity. And so these people being like just flushed out, it's painful. And so Peter offers this in the middle of this, and this is, this is hope that may not seem like hope, but it is so good as we, as we grasp it. And Peter says, so he says, for in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So we'll pause right there. You see, the first thing that we understand is that God even gave Jesus his own self, his son, an identity and a purpose that was unique and powerful and precious. And as we have seen Jesus and he's before us, we are invited to trust in Jesus, who's been uniquely gifted and created, and then to trust in him for our own sense of who we are and how we have been created in purpose. And Peter continues and says, now to you who believe, this stone is precious. Like, you get it and you see how beautiful it is. But to those who, who don't believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. You see, ultimately, when... We reject what God is doing in our lives. 
We reject his purposes, his love, his bigger story in our lives. It's like rejecting that, that cornerstone, like the thing upon which we stand. And in that rejection, it becomes a, a really difficult walk because it keeps causing us to stumble. And it just doesn't, it doesn't line up. It's back to that. It's, it's exhausting. Um, but so, so Peter's kind of laying out here, this is actually who Jesus is, but continuing on, but you are a chosen people. Like this is, he's saying, but listen, like you have this cornerstone. And a lot of people have rejected it because it doesn't make sense or it doesn't fit their way. But like you'll be blessed if you trust him because you are a chosen people. There's identity and purpose written all over this. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so the first thing that I want you to see in all of this is this beautiful picture of our identity and purpose, like the most pure, the most foundational, the most core to who we are and the entire universe um, is tied to community. Do you see that Peter is not addressing a single person but he is identifying and, 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 and talking to a community. And that is so important for us to remember because we're so used to the singular message of, of just, just you, when in fact, um, the understanding is when you come together, when you belong to each other, when you have a, a, a purpose and a, and a mission together, that you, that you understand that this is who you are. So um, the, it is through the collective identity of our community that we begin to find and that we truly find our singular identity and purpose within it. It actually really matters. So what is, what is, uh, what is God saying through Peter's words here? First of all, you are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. Look what Paul writes in Ephesians. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Like to be chosen is to be loved because God decided he chose to love us. And he loved us in his own son who he, would, he had already prepared to sacrifice at the right time. That he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. To be that God, that Father, that Creator who would love us and see us perfectly. Even in the midst of some things that we might even see that we say, huh, that's not too hot. Sorry, Lord. To see us without fault in his eyes. That is who he has chosen us to be. You see, all the way since before time, he has deemed you as beloved, adored, desired, worthy. And that's the bedrock. And that is what a lot of us are struggling to even accept, but it is true. You are a chosen person in a chosen people. All of creation. Second thing he says, Peter says, is then that you are a royal priesthood. 
you are right. We are not Anglican, nor are we Catholic. However, there is what we have coined as this priesthood of all believers. All who serve in the king's court, the king is God, Jesus is Lord, are royalty and being ordained into the priesthood of all believers. See, this is such good news. Because in Christ, it is no longer just the priests or the higher-ups who have all the power or have the capacity to really be present in front of God and, and contain the miracles of God. He has anointed each and every one of us for his service and for his work and for um, this grand purpose. You see, when we receive the Holy Spirit in baptism and surrender to God and receiving of Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit begins to enter and grow and come alive in us and gift us. The, spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, these gifts, these spiritual gifts are the things that actually empower us to do beyond what we can. Whether it's gifts of service or leading or giving, or whether it's gifts of prophecy or whether it's gifts of caring for others or whether it's, you know, there's all kinds of spiritual gifts and, and Paul enumerates on this quite a bit. Um, these gifts are given to us so that we get to join this priesthood and be equally important and purposeful people in this greater work. And it, it becomes really beautiful. Okay, so the third thing that then Peter says that God is giving us in identity is a holy nation. Now, again, I know words can really just kind of sweep us away and we start thinking things before we really even realize we're thinking them. But essentially, to be a holy nation is to be filled with that holiness, to bear and to be bearers together of the good news. Ever thought about that? To be holy is to simply hold the good news within you. The good news of Jesus' grace and truth for all people. To be able to, to hold that, to share it, and to let it shine as Jesus is light, the light of the world, to shine that for the good of all people. That's your purpose. You see that? Above all other things, your purpose. And fourth and finally, than a special possession. Friends, to be, um, this, the, word, the words sound weird here, but to be possessed by God, to be owned by God, means that you are a possessor equally of God. So to be a possession of God is to be his beloved child and a possessor of his love for others. So you, you, to know who you are, you are deeply loved, and to know whose you are, that you are the one who loves creation, or that he is the one who loves creation, and that you are to go and to love in that way. This is, this, is our, this is our greatest purpose. And Peter explains it so eloquently. You see, when um, 
It was about three years when uh, Sarah, my wife, had entered into uh, her first like um, adult, like full-time career here, and um, it was awesome. She's a pediatric physical therapist and um, just loves, loves, loves kids, loves seeing them um, just grow and find that joy um, partially through their bodies. And so um, early on, when we, uh, the horizons, when we, when we got here, man, the spirit just swept over us and we, we caught fire and we're like so passionate and we still are. Um, but it, early on, it was, it, there was like Sarah would come home and she would say, ah, oh, just like, I love what I do, but sometimes I feel like I'm just not, I'm not really doing anything for God. I'm just, you know, I'm stuck at this job and I'm, and I'm doing these things. And, and all, all the while, I'd, I'd kind of, not because I'm better or anything, but I just was further removed. I had a different perspective. I, I could look and I could say, my gosh, though, like from what I hear, like you are light to these families and these children. You are caring for them. You are going the extra mile. Um, you, are, you are a blessing in their life. And I believe that that is God's purpose. You are doing kingdom work in your job but I think she's really embraced that in a really rich way. The bottom line is, is we put our identity in all sorts of things. And sometimes we tie our identity so close to, um, to what we do for a job. And the point is, though, is that when you know your first and foremost and most pure identity in Christ, in God who loves you, you could have a, one of a million different jobs and still be fulfilling your purpose as to who God made you to be. And I think that's good. So our invitation this morning, our invitation is from Jesus to move from invention to uncovering our identity in him and our purpose, to find that nestled deep in the heart of our God, our Father, and our Creator. So my other invitation, my challenge to you today is this, that whether you're watching online or whether you are here this morning, you, are, you know, and maybe only you know, that nudge that God has put in your heart for you to take a step towards him and to, and to just finally let go and not care what you have to lose or what it looks like to someone else to say, Lord, I choose you. And this might be for the first time. It might be um, from a while ago and um, to, to choose him. So either to accept your baptism finally to let go or reaffirmation to say, Lord, um, I, I know you have called me and claimed me, and I want to own that again.